0: Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers.
0: We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo,
2: quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. That guy sitting over there, that's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Mads and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. I fed my cats before the show tonight, Chris. I usually wait until afterward, but they were so prevalent in last week's show that I decided as a as a podcaster, I should feed them before so they weren't yeah. bothering me during. And that's going to make it so they wake me up a little bit earlier because they're creatures of habit and they go X amount of hours between eating. And uh, so they're going to wake me up a bit earlier, but I'm I'm willing to make that sacrifice for the betterment of the pod.
1: Yeah, you're a team player. You're a true professional. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and your situation does not make me uh, envy you for having cats. I have a dog and he eats sort of whenever. I like fill his food bowl up in the morning and then he'll just kind of eat whenever he's hungry. It's very low stress for me. So I'm glad that doesn't impact the pod, but I'm glad you're being a a team player about all this.
2: I try. I tried doing that when I first got these cats, Uh, I adopted them a few years back and uh, they just ate all of it right away. Like just went to town. Um, And so I tried it again and they kind of just went to town again and I was like, all right, well, this is not going to work. So they went on a schedule. And that schedule now just happens to interfere with my podcasting schedule. So uh, <laughs> that's enough about cat food. Let's get to the Niners and the Seahawks. We'll talk about the game a little bit. And then we're going to bring in Danny Kelly from The Ringer. He hosts The Ringer Fantasy Football podcast. A really, really good show. And then he also does a lot of draft stuff for them. He does some general NFL stuff. We're going to have him on. In the second half of the pot, had a really good conversation with him. About the but Seahawks? First, yeah, about He's the a Seahawks. Seahawks. guy. Right. He's a Seahawks guy. He's in the Pacific Northwest. That's how you sell a guest. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <You're> so <welcome. laughs> let's let's dive in first to some some key matchups uh from the 49ers offense against a let me find the adjective. Subpar Seattle defense. That too it- too soft.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, a bad, really bad Seattle defense, a historically bad Seattle defense, it's
2: really, really bad. Most yards ever given up through six games, seven games. Yeah,
1: two thousand eight hundred and seventy-five.
2: It's so many yards.
1: It's many yards. Um, they're also allowing three hundred and eighty passing yards per game. That's so great. many yards. It's it's weird because, and I'm writing about it right now, and and sort of talking about Russell Wilson, and part of the reason why Russell Wilson's having such an excellent season is that he has to because the defense is so bad. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really remarkable in the context of what we're used to seeing from the Seahawks. Right. Like the Legion of Boom was such a such a big thing. And they had, you know, arguably the best defense of a generation for a little while there when when they were competing for Super Bowls uh, last decade. And now it's it's a complete reversal where the only constant is Russell Wilson. And instead of being this sort of game manager who would occasionally make plays with his legs and win games for you in the fourth quarter, now he's chucking the ball all over the place. He's probably the best deep ball thrower in football right now. Um, He's tied Peyton Manning's record through six games with 22 touchdown passes. Um, He's leading the league in yards per attempt. And it seems like this is because the Seahawks' defense is really bad. So if the 49ers are going to have, if the 49ers are going to win this game, I feel like there's a really good chance that they're gonna have to put up a ton of points, um, mm. which which is interesting given the state of the 49ers offense right now from from an injury perspective, in that they're not gonna have Debo Samuel. Um, they're not gonna have Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson Jr., who you know we talked about earlier in the week, and he had, you know, three touchdowns and 112 yards. So it's it's an interesting game from that standpoint. Um, just because we're we're not used to seeing the Seahawks win, and and, and win like this in particular, not I'm, we're used to seeing them win. We're not used to seeing them win in this fashion. I guess is a better way to put it.
2: I'm interested to ask Danny what he thinks the what's wrong with the Seahawks defense, because I I watched the the Sunday night game against Arizona. And then I went back and watched some of their other games. And granted, they they played a different version of the Patriots than the one the 49ers played, I think. But I can't fit I can't put a finger on what's bad about it it other than they just are don't have good players. Yeah. And they run a scheme that requires like good talent. Yeah. Uh I, I I don't know. It's 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 something that I, I almost feel like I'm taking for granted a little bit. And I just think the 49ers are going to rack up a bunch of points.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, so what, what's, what's notable about the defense in that it's sort of high variance from the standpoint of um, the scheme is reliant on having high level players at key positions. Right. And they, do, and they just don't have the high level guys, even Bobby Wagner um, doesn't look like the same guy who was a defensive player of the year candidate all those seasons, right? Like, so they don't have a whole lot of pass rush without Jadavian Clowney. The Carlos Dunlap trade is not going to go through in time because of COVID protocol for him to play on Sunday. Um, and it's looking like Jamal Adams is not going to play because he's missed the first two practices this week after missing the, the last three games with a groin injury. And he's also got uh, he was listed on the injury report today with an illness, which indicates he might have to go through COVID protocol in a similar way Debo Samuel did a few weeks ago um, after not being able to practice. So that's it just doesn't look like Jamal Adams is going to be able to play their top cornerback Shaquille Griffin. It doesn't look like he's going to play Dwayne Brown practiced Wednesday, but did not practice Thursday. Uh, They're starting left tackle. That's not a great sign. Um, They're two running backs. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about their offense, but they might be down to, to a, a, a rookie running back because their top three guys are hurt. Um, So, you know, it's like, it's easy to see the, this game being a shootout and the question is going to be, can the 49ers come up with enough ways to score um, and maybe get a stop or two against Russell Wilson to uh to to go up there and pull off the upset it feels to me this could play out like the saints uh the saints game from last year the the 48 hmm. 46 game that and would just, be like that just...
2: would that would be a hilarious contrast from the type of games these teams played in the early 2010s
1: totally <laughs> totally
2: i what do you think the absence of debo samuel means for the offense because he just provides such a different element of deception and versatility and physicality that I don't think they can really replicate. Because he's such a unique player.
1: Yeah, and and we saw uh, not only you know this year, but last year, you know the last few games I should say. Last year he scored that touchdown against the Seahawks on that end around running play where he sort of spun into the end zone. Um, you know Debo. Any, any, I think he had a hundred yard, uh, receiving game if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, or at least I know it was a productive receiving game from him, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, we, we know Debo has been a part of the running game and he's been doing that. And Kyle Shanahan sort of hinted at the idea that maybe because Debo Samuel missed so much time over the summer that he's not really in a spot to be running a ton of routes. Um, and you know, not really in rhythm yet or in shape to you know run routes in a way that he's going to be a downfield threat like the 49ers are probably going to need him to be over the long run and maybe Brandon Mm -hmm. Ayuk is more of that guy right now but given that Kyle Shanahan clearly hasn't trusted Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball downfield a whole lot Debo Samuel is a really important player into what they're doing right now but if Garoppolo's ankle is feeling better and he can push the ball downfield, then maybe you can negate some of what you're missing with Samuel by going downfield. Maybe George Kittle, um, you know, who tends to, uh, he sort of every other game is a big production game for George Kittle. If you notice that this season, it's like he'll have a hundred yard game and then a 50 yard game and then another hundred yard game. I think there's the potential for Kittle to have a massive game in this one just given the matchup and the fact that Seahawks can't cover anybody right now, and they're not going to have Jamal Adams. Mm -hmm. Um, So the passing game to me is probably going to be a lot of Brandon. Ayuk, probably going to be a lot of George Kittle. Um, Obviously there's going to be a ton of play action. And I I think the bigger question is what the running game is going to look like because you don't have Samuel now uh, to, to contribute in that aspect. And like last week we have no idea who's who's gonna be the starter, who's gonna you know, who's gonna be the bell cow. Like for all we know, Kyle Shanahan could be doing like what he did last week and creating a game plan around Austin Walter or something, there's the practice squad running back, and Stop. he'll come out of nowhere and rush for a hundred yards and three touchdowns like Jeff Wilson did last week. Um so, you know, it's it's really hard to say exactly what the offense is going to look like because we've seen so many different versions of it so far this season because so many guys have been hurt. Um, so I'm just expecting Kyle Shanahan to do a bunch of things we haven't seen yet. And uh, and based on what we know about the Seahawks defense, it's probably going to have a hard time stopping it.
2: Another Kyle Shanahan is in his bag game.
1: Oh, yeah. Great point.
2: Yeah, I, I, I feel it. it I think it's going to look a little different than the Rams game, but I think it's going to have that sort of feel to it. Like there's multiple weaknesses on Seattle's defense and he's going to attack one until they correct and try and cover that. And then he's going to go another direction. And I I just um, like we saw, we saw the Patriots try and really um, really protect on the edges and they ran Jeff Wilson up the middle and then they, adjusted to that and they started going outside it wouldn't surprise me if we see a jerick mckinnon heavy game
1: yeah it wouldn't surprise me either
2: do you think do you think there's anything to what shanahan said about they were kind of giving mckinnon a breather and limiting his snaps last week
1: yeah i mean it makes sense he's the only halfback that they've had who's played in every game Um, so given that he's missed two straight seasons, uh, it would make sense to not want to lean on him for, for a heavy snap count. Um, and it it also, I mean, that might've coincided perfectly with, um, Shanahan wanting to give Jeff Wilson Jr. the bulk of the carries because of what he does on certain runs. Like, I don't know if the 49ers will admit this, but I think, um, and maybe Shanahan's talked about it in the past. I'd have to go back and look, but My feeling is that like the 49ers believe their running backs do very specific things differently and they can create game plans um, centered around those very specific running characteristics that they have, which is one of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan's offense will look so much different depending on which running backs are in the game, right? Um, so I, I think that's something like he might be devising a whole game plan around to Hasty, uh, for all we know, or even Tevin Coleman, who is back at practice this week, um, having his practice window open while, while being on injured reserve. Um, you know, there's, there's a chance any of these running backs can, uh, can, can really take off. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like I have a good grasp on, maybe I've said this before, but I feel like I've had a good grasp on Kyle Shanahan's offense. But then, like, I have friends ask me fantasy questions about which running backs to start, and I like, I'll feel confident, and then Shanahan will do something completely different than what I told my friends, and I'm supposed to be like this dude who covers the team who's smart. <laughs> I do.
2: Here's here's my if you're wondering on the fantasy football thing with the Niners running backs, don't. I just don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna spot in one of my leagues. Where I'm just out of running backs, so I'm starting Jermichael Hasty and I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> but don't start a Niners running back over a guy that you know is gonna be productive. It's just not it's not worth the gamble.
1: Unless it's Raheem Mostert.
2: And the, yes. Sorry. One one of their current running backs. Yeah. It's just it's not worth it. I had Jeff Wilson on my bench last week.
1: Yeah, I did too actually. Our fantasy
2: football teams that's why you're tuning in (laughs) for sure let's jump over to the other side of the ball because you said that this one is is partly going to come down to if the 49ers defense can stop russell wilson who's having an mvp caliber historic start to his season is jason verrett and emmanuel mosley is that enough to slow down dk metcalf and tyler lockett to where one of them isn't going for 200 yards and three touchdowns like Lockett did last week?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't Thank know you. because it feels like it's just a really tough matchup. And I know Emmanuel Mosley played pretty well against DK Metcalf last year. I think DK Metcalf is probably a much improved player from, from last year. And the numbers bear that out. Um, You know, Jason Verrett was on Zoom today and fielding questions about you know what are what are the keys to to covering a a guy who's got like, I mean Jason Verrett's five nine and probably one hundred ninety pounds, and DK Metcalf is what six four two thirty.
2: 230? he's like an Avenger, right? The Avenger sized,
1: right? So what Jason Verrett said is he's going to use it his advantage in um in quickness and foot speed and just be locked in on on Metcalf's hips and you know w- with all the talk about Metcalf not being able to change directions at the combine 2 years ago I mean it sounds like that's sort of what the 49ers are banking on in terms of having an advantage in coverage is that they can outquick him they may they might be able to beat him to spots um and and you know it prevent him from catching the ball that way but what i can't tell you is like what's going to happen when Russell Wilson scrambles and Metcalf uh starts freelancing and then just bolts downfield and Wilson throws a 40-yard pass on the run. Um, you know, like that's part of Wilson's game, and that's really difficult to cover. And I'd imagine it's even more difficult to cover when you're giving up six inches and forty pounds on somebody. Um
2: I think that's I think that specific play you're talking about two things. One, I think it's a little bit funny that DK Metcalf fell so far in the draft because people were like he can't change directions. All he can do is be big and fast and the seahawks are like great go be big and fast (laughs) right like oh you put a player in a position to use the skills and he plays well that's crazy um i think jimmy ward coming back to practice is a significant deal because of and if he plays it'll be a significant deal because of that specific scenario you just laid out he's really good at helping the niners limit big plays and he's a Huge reason they were one of the best defenses in the league at that last year. Yeah, and i i don't I don't think Tavarius Moore is bad. I, I have nothing against Tavarius Moore. I just think Jimmy Ward's really, really good, especially in that aspect of of his game.
1: Yeah, when you're playing Russell Wilson in the Seahawks and Wilson scrambling around, that's like the the deepest end of the pool, and Tavarius Moore is just kind of like learning to swim without floaties at this point. Right, that's not to say he's a bad player, but it's like Taverius he's very. Tavarius
2: Moore is learning to swim without floaties. <laughs> that's a thing that's never been said. Ever. But you in comparison, like in Jimmy, like Jimmy Ward can swim in the
1: other deep other end of the graduates. pool right now. Like Tavarius right. Moore is a backup. No, I got what you're saying. Right, like that's not that probably sounds harsher than I meant it. No, I think no, Tavarius no, Moore is good.
2: He's inexperienced. Tavarius Moore is inexperienced. It's not a hot take.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's just I, an I, empirical I... fact. My my other Tavarius Moore take is he's the best 49ers defender who's who doesn't get enough playing time.
2: I could I can see that. I can rock but, with that.
1: Yeah, like I think he's probably the only non-starter that they have who probably should start at some point. I can see that. Um, I don't think he's better than Jimmy Ward right now, but I do think he's he has a different skill set for sure. Um, I was actually talking with our guy Wagner today at practice. Nick Wagner of ESPN, shout Castle out, Castle member. Um, yeah everybody's favorite cast member um it's like it man in the offseason i would i would see if i could get tarverius Moore to throw on 10 pounds of muscle and maybe move him to strong safety
2: yeah yeah because he's uh, got like he, he's got a very sense.
1: wiry frame it seems like he would be somebody who could add weight and still maintain his speed and if he plays with the physicality that we that he played with against against New England, and he's able to stay healthy, in, you know, in a role closer to the line of scrimmage, I think he could potentially be a really good, strong safety. And then that solves your potential Jakowski tart question with him being a free agent in the spring. Um, and that allows you to to keep him in the fold and Jimmy Ward in the fold because of all the reasons you mentioned for, you know, how good he is as a strong safety or a free safety, Jimmy Ward.
2: I want to ask you about some of the guys who came back from from IR this week and were, were back in practice who are also not on IR. Um, I'll ask you one at a time here. Quan Alexander was back in practice today. I thought that was a little bit surprising. Yeah, He had a high ankle sprain, uh, showed up in practice today. He was officially listed as limited. There were several videos of him working out. Looked to be moving pretty well, but, I mean, that's, I mean, you can only glean so much from a video. Do you foresee Quan Alexander playing this weekend? Or is this just a testing it out and kind of seeing where he's at?
1: So I've sort of grouped all the guys you're going to talk about into two categories, like guys who could potentially play Saturday or Sunday and guys who they're probably trying to ramp up for next week's Thursday night game okay, against the Packers. So I think Quan Alexander falls into that Packers category. I think with him returning to practice today, he can get a practice in today, a light one tomorrow, and then a full practice next Tuesday, which will give him three with some time in between spaced out. And then potentially he could make his return Thursday against the Packers if if he's healthy. Okay. So I think him practicing today is certainly a good sign. I just don't think based on the way he was moving, it seems like he was very deliberate and still in sort of the feeling out process of what it's like to run around and cut on that ankle rather than somebody who's gearing up to play based on, you know, I'm kind of a layman, but based on, like, watching him move around at, at practice today.
2: You're a gate expert. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay,
1: so we're dropping him in the Panther
2: uh, Packers bucket. Yeah. Uh, Tevin Coleman, is he going in the Seahawks or Packers bucket?
1: I think he's going to go, I think he's going to be able to play this weekend. Okay. Um, He's missed, what? the he's been out since week three. Um he seems like he's been moving around. He's been he's been doing some conditioning on the side field even last week. Um I think he's I think he's set setting up to play. And the 49ers, despite like despite the injuries at running back, they they might be able to to field a pretty competent running game with um with Coleman, Jamichael Hasey and Jarek McKinnon.
2: Okay. Jordan Reed was a little bit of a surprise coming back to practice. Uh, They opened his practice window, gives him 21 days before they have to make a decision on activating him or putting him on season-ending IR. Is he in the Packers or Seahawks bucket?
1: Definitely more towards the Packers bucket, in my opinion, and it wouldn't surprise me if they waited until the New Orleans game we're we're Um, running out of buckets the (laughs) the the week after that because you do get the extended time off between the the thursday game and, and the sunday game the following week um reed reed looks very much in the in the infancy of a comeback right now the way he was moving around with the wrap on his left knee um very much in the in the same camp as alexander and if the 49ers are operating in a way, in in the same way as they did over the summer when they took things extremely slowly with Jordan Reed, um, it wouldn't surprise me if if they use a lot of that 21 day window and maybe maybe uh, add him back for for that Saints game. But uh, you know, I, if if I were to predict what Kyle Shanahan's going to say about it Friday when he's asked, um, I think he's going to say, you know, he's he, they're they're going to be hoping for him against the Packers, but it might be more realistic that he's available for the Saints.
2: And K1 Williams is another guy who was activated off IR at the three-week mark. He was on injured reserve. He got hurt against the Eagles. He's on injured reserve for his three weeks. They opened his practice window. Is he playing against the Seahawks or Packers, do you think? Yeah, I think Seahawks or Saints. Since apparently you're just generating third buckets out of there.
1: <laughs> I think I think Reed's going to be the only guy I toss into that one out of the guys who came back this week. Okay, um, but no, I think I uh, Kwan Williams will be able to play against the uh, against the Seahawks, which is a good thing. I mean, for Jamar Taylor to to play as well as he did in the last couple of weeks, um, I still think you'd way rather have Kwan Williams trying to cover you know Tyler Lockett in the slot um and you know we know how good of a blitzer he is and um you know he can force fumbles and things like that which he did against the seahawks last year so uh yeah but i think kwan williams is is trending towards playing on sunday i think that's it okay. uh tevin yeah, coleman
2: Quan so. alexander kwan williams and jordan reed
1: yeah all right yeah getting Let's... reed back at some point before the bye would be would be a pretty significant win for the niners i think
2: yeah, that, I think so too. I was expecting him to be out uh, quite a while. N- him you coming think back, about... him coming back next week would be just shy of the six week mark since he got hurt against the Giants, right? And that was on the front end of his six to eight week timeline. Right. And it's hard to believe a guy with that injury history they would quote unquote rush back. So I I, I think you might be right on the on the Saints thing.
1: Yeah. Um. Just thinking about all like if if the 49ers can eventually get all these guys healthy based on all the different versions of the offense we've seen, like a running game with Jeff Wilson, Jr. and Raheem Mostert and then adding Jordan Reed into the mix as a, as a pass catcher, getting Debo Samuel back. Like there were the makings of a really, really good offense. And somehow the 49ers are still skating through this thing, despite all these injuries. I mean, it's, If the 49ers make the playoffs, here's a take. If the 49ers make the playoffs, Kyle Shanahan's got to win coach of the year, right?
2: Yes. I'm trying to think if, if it depends. If they like sneak in because a team loses on the last day, then, and they sneak in at like nine and seven, and the Cardinals win the division at like 12 and four. Then wow, I think maybe
1: four Cardinals. That's that's a bigger take than your whatever you're going to say about Shanahan.
2: No, I didn't say that's what they're going to do. I'm okay. I'm I'm trying to flesh out a scenario because I agree with you. If the Niners go ten and six and they make the playoffs handily, uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably right because you're going to start factoring in all those injuries and we don't we especially don't know what the team's going to look like in week seventeen. But I'm just saying, if it's not just cut and dry, they make the playoffs, he wins the award. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like fair. If the if the Cardinals go 12 and four and win the division, I don't think they will. But if they do, I think you're all of a sudden looking at Cliff Kingsbury, regardless of what the 49ers do.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Thanks. <laughs> good. No, that's a good point. And Bri- um, like Brian,
2: Bri- Brian Flores in Miami, if Tua comes in and and starts tearing it up, you know there there's there's ways. But to your point, if the Niners go like 10 and six or 11 and five and and make the postseason, that's that's Shanahan's award for sure. Let's let's get to predictions and then we will hit a break and get to get to Danny Kelly. Um the 49ers are underdogs by 3 points. That's the last line I saw. Do you think they cover the 3 points?
1: I think they cover. I think the Seahawks win. Um okay. And I but I it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers won. Uh I just think Russell Wilson's probably not going to have a second bad game in a row. And I think it's probably going to take a a bad game for, for Russell Wilson, or at least like a, a, a B game at worst, uh, or maybe at best for the Niners to win, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. if Russell Wilson has an a performance, I have a really hard time seeing a banged up 49ers team going in there and winning. On the other hand, given all the injuries that the Seahawks have and the potential advantages the 49ers have offensively, I could see them going up there and winning while getting, you know, forcing a turnover somehow, um, blocking a punt, getting a special teams touchdown, something. Um, I could see them winning for sure, but I just can't, based on the. Based on what I've seen from Russell Wilson this year, I just think he's at a completely different level. I think DK Metcalf's gonna be really difficult for the 49ers to cover. Tyler Lockett is just an incredibly good receiver. He's so good, dude. Like that that game he had against Arizona, that catch, that sliding catch he had in the back of the end zone where he somehow managed to keep two feet in. Like he's just he's just incredibly good. Um, so as good as the 49ers cornerbacks have played, I, I do think the Seahawks have an advantage there. And so while I could see the 49ers going up there and winning and it's it's pretty apparent what that formula would be, I just can't pick it based on what I've seen from Russell from Russell Wilson this season who's like very clearly the MVP of the league through, you know, 7 weeks. Sure. Um so I I have to pick the Seahawks because I can't bank on Russell Wilson not playing well enough for them to win. If that makes sense. For what
2: it's worth, the Seahawks Taking the Seahawks minus three, you get better odds than taking the Niners plus three.
3: Okay. Uh, What's your also, prediction?
2: Also, the over/under on the game is fifty-three and a half, which is the highest over/under of the week, and I think I'm going over on that.
1: Yeah, I think overs. Like if it's if it's a thirty-one, thirty-three game, I don't think that would be surprising at all.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that the Seahawks win but I think maybe they get like a late score or something to make it look a little more lopsided than it was. I like the Seahawks minus the three, especially plus at plus a hundred, which means um, you bet a hundred to win a hundred. I, I, I just, like I said, I think even if they're up three or four, you know, and it's in, it's in that range, maybe they get a late score or something and, and kind of push it over that, that minus three. So, Uh, I I do think Seattle wins for a lot of the things you just said. Like it's really hard to imagine Russell Wilson having a second bad game in a row. The Niners defense hasn't quite been tested yet against an offense as, as prolific as Seattle's. But to that point, um, it's hard to count out this 49ers team really in anything, regardless of who's playing what position. So if they, if they win, I would not, I would not be shocked. Um, but I, I mean I, the 49ers I, I do, if if I was betting on the game I think I would take Seattle.
1: Yeah, the the 49ers like they they're in a good spot to I don't know how to explain my my the point that I'm going to try to make, but they're they're Talk they're through. a team that is is good at getting up for these types of games. Like Kyle Shanahan will generally have a good game plan. Um the offense, you know, usually shows up in games like this when it has you know, George Kittle. Um, the the question is going to be, you know, can, can the defense be good enough and make enough plays to, to stop Russ. And it, and it's going to be a weird game. Like it's, it's the it's Seahawks. The Seahawks game. It's going to be a weird game. It might come down to like a Robbie gold field goal or an extra point or something. Um, There's, you know, Jason Brett said it. He's like, I'm expecting it to come down to the last drive. <laughs> It's basically what he said uh, Thursday in a Zoom call. So that's sort of my line of thinking on it. Like, is there I think a Seahawks
2: game that doesn't come down to the last drive?
1: They don't blow anybody out, do they? Not really. And they sort of like play down to to their competition a little bit when they play bad teams. So like, there are going to be opportunities. The, the question is going to be, can the Forty Nine ers take advantage? But
2: the other, the other, the other thing worth keeping an eye on here is the division gets very interesting if the 49ers win
1: yeah there would be what three teams with five wins depending on what the rams did four teams would all four have five wins yes
2: wow uh but then obviously you know the rams and cardinals
1: um yeah. but they already have at least five wins
2: yeah it's seahawks at five and one rams and cardinals at five and two and niners at four and three i don't it know if, just, I've, it, if the
1: nfc west has ever bananas, been this good
2: bananas nfc west
1: Top to bottom, like, really, really good division.
2: The 49ers would be in second place in the NFC South. Check that. half A half game back A second. New Orleans is 4-2. Uh, they'd be third place in the NFC North because the Packers and Bears are both off to hot starts. They would be in first place by a lot in the NFC East. They'd be in second place in the AFC East. Uh, They'd be in fourth in the AFC North. The AFC North's really good, too. Yeah. So... Uh, but the the NFC West is is crazy, and it I think that until proven otherwise, I think that four NFC West teams could make the playoffs. Thing is going to be very real.
1: Oh yeah, so yeah, particularly if if they split, like if they split all their division games, if there isn't one team that's that's just beating everybody in the division, which I don't think there will be.
2: The other thing, real quick, it's amazing how much and this this. This goes a little bit toward that thing you might have seen on the internet where if the 49ers win on Sunday, like we, we talked about after that Eagles-Dolphins back-to-back games, when they lost those, we talked about, hey, it's, they're going to play like this. It's really hard to find wins on the schedule with the Rams and Patriots and Seahawks and Packers and Saints and all that coming up. But if they beat Seattle they'll have beat the Rams Patriots and Seahawks in three consecutive games. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, it's hard to find a loss on the schedule. It It's, it's crazy. What one, it's a week to week league, Chris, you know, I say that a lot, <laughs> but yeah, now, um, that's, that's, that's what really there's going into this game. That's something that really stands out to me is just, how we're calibrating the expectations for the 49ers and just kind of the fulcrum that this game provides.
1: Yeah, the um so the win against New England uh gave the 49ers an eighteen percent bump in making the playoffs. Gosh. Based on some Googling I just did while you were talking. Um so I was unable to see that thing on me. the internet that I that I saw earlier. <laughs> in my short time of Googling that, that said their, their playoff chances increase significantly with a win on Sunday. But like, I think, you know, like it, it, would it surprise you if the 49ers went up there and won?
2: No, not at all. That's why I'm not betting on the game because
1: yeah, I think it's a stay away.
2: If, if you, if future Chris came up to me right now and said, Hey, the Niners go to Seattle and win by 10 points. I would just buy it
1: big okay
2: i can see that it just it wouldn't surprise me yeah
1: so. yeah it, it, that that one surprised me it being a completely crazy game like week 17 wouldn't surprise me um the seahawks just doing a bunch of weird stuff on offense that the 49ers can't can't slow down because they don't have the horses wouldn't surprise me it's a it's a high variance game but i do think based on what we know about kyle shanahan and all that they're gonna go in there with a plan um that's probably going to work offensively and the fact that there isn't going to be any fans in the stadium is is going to take away a lot of what makes it so tough to play up there um so yeah i think the 49ers have a great chance to win i just can't pick them to win this week
2: all right let's uh let's hit a break and talk to danny kelly from the ringer
1: Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com bluewire this is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now. Indeed.com slash blue wire. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st.
2: Football is back in full swing. And you know football's back because we have a 49 ers Seahawks game to look forward to on Sunday. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Online online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, those are my favorite. The customizable player props are the move. You do a little bit of studying. I do a bunch of half-hearted research, and that is how I find ways to win every single Sunday. online gives you more. I'm telling you, you don't have to take a ton of time and be like a... a genius numbers whiz to figure this stuff out it's it's awesome and bet online gives you a million ways to win and bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses and don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag I know I threw a lot of stuff at you, that's Blue Wire, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Use that promo code at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sports book experts. All right, we got Danny Kelly from the ringer here with us today. Uh Danny does draft stuff. He does fantasy football stuff. He does regular NFL stuff. Uh, but he's dialed into the Seahawks living up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Danny, thanks for hopping on and, and, and chatting about the five and one Seahawks with us.
3: Yeah. The NFC West this year is kind of ridiculous. It it's just like all four really good teams. So that's always fun. It gets yeah, really- It's
1: wild. It's wild that like the Niners are in last place at four and three and, and you look over <laughs> at the NFC East and it's just like every team is is a dumpster fire and one team has to win it. <laughs>
3: It's crazy. It's crazy. And the 49ers have like half their team on the injured reserve and they're still good. I don't it's I don't know how to explain it. I mean, obviously really good coaching, but yeah, yeah, very fun, very fun division this year.
2: It gets really weird if the 49ers pull out a win on Sunday because then you're going to have a bunch of five and twos and a five and three and it's it's a fun division. I'm excited to see how it kind of plays out. So let's let's talk about the Seahawks, though. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that really jumps out about them, well, there's – I mean, the different sides of the ball jump out for different reasons. I want to start with the defense because that was so what defined the Seahawks through the early portion of the Pete Carroll era. Right. And now they're one of the worst defenses in the league. What happened?
3: <laughs> uh, well, they, it, it, it's one of those things where they – I guess decided to spend more of their resources on the offensive side of the ball. The other thing is the, the resources that they have spent on defense just haven't panned out the way that they wanted to, I think in a lot of um, a lot of scenarios. So, um, you know, obviously Russell Wilson and, and DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, like that triad plus Chris Carson is just really, really dangerous. They got that offense humming, but, on defense, they basically didn't really do anything to upgrade their pass rush. They let Jadavian Clowney walk in free agency. Kind of a weird situation all off season where you know Seahawks fans in this area were like, you know, what what are you guys waiting for? What what are you doing here? Because it was a, a long, protracted free agency. You know, Jadavian Clowney was a free agent basically right until the beginning of the year. Um, so it was kind of strange and you know they brought in bruce Irvin, you know former seahawk who kind of like bounced around a little bit and then he tore his acl early on in the season um they drafted daryl taylor in the second round and he has been on the injured reserve list or whatever the nfi list since the beginning of the season because he um he's been injured and so that's you know that hasn't helped their second rounder from a couple years ago machine green has been injured so basically you know, a lot of their key guys that they've tried to like grab to bolster this defensive unit have, have been injured. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're just their secondary hasn't been what anyone thought it would be. Jamal Adams, they went and, <laughs> they went and traded two first round picks for Jamal Adams, and he got hurt pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I think it's a combination of a lack of a talent, a lack of long term planning and building that just hasn't really worked there for them. And, you know, just some injury bad luck, too. That's kind of like all combined to make this a extremely terrible defense. It's like the most exploitable defense, especially through the air of any defense, maybe in the NFL, other than, you know, a few teams that are irrelevant at this point. So um, it's it's a weird, very, very unbalanced uh, overall team for the Seahawks this year.
1: So you mentioned Jamal Adams who returned to practice on Wednesday in the first time since uh, suffering a groin injury that cost him the last three games. Um, what's his impact on the defense been? Um, and can he help uh, the, the past defense, particularly with, um, with George Kittle and also how much do you anticipate the Carlos Dunlap trade um, helping that defense in the pass rush?
3: Yeah, I think, I think both of those guys coming back will help. I'm not sure either will help this week against 49ers because um, I don't think I don't think Dunlap is going to play this week, or at least it, it's not really looking like he will be able to come in and immediately, you know, because I think they have the COVID stuff they have to go through. Yeah, he's so, not eligible
1: to play until the following game against Buffalo.
3: Yeah, so he's he's not really in the short term picture, but I think he will help a lot because honestly, they need all the help they can get. He's a veteran, you know, he's long, he fits the defense, the style um i think he'll be able to give them at the very least you know some pressure which they haven't been able to get you know he might not be like a big sack guy but he'll he'll be able to like collapse a pocket you know get quarterbacks off their spot things like that that's it's really something the Seahawks have been missing a lot this week or this year you know going back to the Cardinals game on Monday night football uh Kyler Murray dropped back to pass 50 times the Seahawks had zero sacks and one quarterback hit um and I believe it depends on who you talk to, but I believe they're like anywhere from one to four pressures in that entire game. Oh so they were not able to get anything done. Part of it was, I think kind of like the the strategy of the game was to, you know, mush rush on the outside and keep keep Kyler Murray from, from really hurting them with his legs. But um so you know they weren't necessarily just like pinning their ears back and trying to get after him they were trying to like keep him contained but at the same time it just it didn't work either way like he still got a bunch of rushing yards and a touchdown and he totally picked him apart through the air so the cx defense has just been really bad so so dunlop will definitely help in the long run um throughout the rest of the season i should say but um with jamal adams I, again i don't really know if he's going to play yet he's just getting back into practice and i think it would be wishful thinking to have him come out at least be full speed this week. We'll see how it goes as the week goes on. But um, the the way that he will help and the way that he could help this week is he's their best blitzer by far. And in fact, he's probably their best pass rusher, which is, you know, yes. all you really need to know about the Seahawks defense mm-hmm. right now in terms of, you know, their ability to rush passer. He's so good as a blitzer. They use him all over the defensive formation, you know, he's kind of just like that joker. He's, he's like the Tyron Matthews style where he, he lines up in different spots every snap. You never really know where he's going to be coming from. When he was playing for the Seahawks, he was really good. He, he was making a lot of plays. But at the same time, they were being so aggressive with him, you know, blitzing him so much that they were also giving up a lot of plays when he didn't get home, if that makes sense. So, like, you know, he was making big plays, but at the same time he was making the Seahawks defense a little bit vulnerable the way that they were using him. And I want to say, I saw a stat today that the Seahawks have given up the second most explosive pass plays in the NFL this year, which is like, it's it's the antithesis of what you think of when you, when you think of the Seahawks defense, like for all the years when they were elite defense, they never want to get beat deep. You never want to get beat over your head. It, limit explosive plays. That was like all P. Kara's mantra. Like, don't give up explosive plays. We'll let we'll let people kind of like, you know, take what they want to take underneath, but we're just not giving up big plays. Um, so it's kind of weird to see that. Um, but yeah, basically at the end of the day, the CX defense is the only reason they've survived and the only reason I think the CX are 5-1 and one apart from their offense is that they've managed to get turnovers, the defense has, and they've managed to stop opposing teams on fourth downs and in the red zone a little bit more than you'd expect so definitely like a bend don't break type defense but they've broken a lot too so um yeah i I have very little confidence in defense right now but they they do have some reinforcements coming.
2: i want to jump over to the other side of the ball real quick has the seahawks increased uh usage of russell wilson i i guess i'll I'll more leaning more on their 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 passing game i'll I'll word it that way uh, Did that arise from Pete Carroll getting sick of people asking him about letting us cook <laughs> or is it, is it just a, a factor or, or is it a matter of necessity because their defense right. isn't as
3: good? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, I would not say that it is. He got sick of people asking about it. I think he got sick of one person Twitter asking oh. him about it, which is, who is Russell Wilson? I think Russell Wilson lobbied a lot over the offseason. Um, obviously, he carries a lot of weight, you know, with this franchise. He's the Mr. face Unlimited. of the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Unlimited. Um <laughs> Which I – that is ridiculous. Uh, but, yeah, I don't – because – so, like, I really don't know exactly how it all went down. I'm still shocked that he did let them start letting him cook, you know? Like, it still doesn't feel real to me. And I know, it, like, literally – I got a, a text chain with some Seahawks fellow Seahawks fans. We're still dubious it's going to last. Like, we think we, we're pretty sure Pete Carroll's going to go back into his shell, <laughs> run on first and second down. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I don't want to believe. I don't want to, like, I can't believe this is real um, kind of deal. So, um, yeah, it, it's very shocking, to be honest. Because you know, Pete Carroll, just to give you, like, full background on Pete Carroll, like, when he came back into the NFL, he vowed to do it his way you know it, he was like i'm gonna go out doing it my way i'm not gonna listen to what other people say i'm not gonna let the front office or the ownership like influence what i want to do or the fans um p carroll you know he, he looks up he, he's like from the old school and um so he he just like he wanted to come in and do it his way his way is exactly what we saw with the Seahawks for like the first you know like nine ten years of, of the Seahawks era which is ball control don't turn it over um you know be really physical on defense he has this thing where you're completing the circle of physicality and it's like run the ball really tough on special teams and and really tough defense and, and like the seahawks have like none of that now i mean they're yeah. they're basically just like passing and, and scoring tons and tons of points their defense giving tons and tons of yards and, and points um so it's very different and I, and the reason that i think a lot of seahawks fans are worried it's going to go away is cuz that defense is so that defense is so bad um you know there's a, there's the there's the idea that he could like Pete Carroll could be like the defense is bad because we're doing this on offense <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. we're not giving our defense enough rest we're not blah uh-huh. blah blah, blah. Uh, but yeah so i think uh i think it was a combination of you know they, they just don't have the defense to actually stop people so they do right. have to score points that, and and to be clear like the difference between the cx offense this year versus basically the rest of the p carroll era is a number of things it's more passing early in the game you know right first and second quarter and coming out guns blazing versus like in the old days literally they would come out poke and prod it's like a boxer who comes out and is just like you know dancing around for the first like seven rounds before mm-hmm. he even throws a punch right. it's that was like what the Seahawks would do and there's an old joke on cx twitter like you know, you can start trying to score points in the first half. You can try and score points in the first half, you know, it's like that. That's a, that's how absurd it was. Like try to score points. <laughs> um, it just drives me nuts. Uh, obviously you can, you can probably hear my voice, like how annoying it was for so long. Um, obviously they were successful, but a lot of that had to do with like how elite their defense was. But um, now they're not only passing way more in the first and second quarter in the third quarter, but they're passing far, far more like exponentially more on first and second down, which is a huge, huge deal. And, you know, all, all, all that's happened with this, with the Seahawks letting Russell Wilson do his thing is he's having like the most historic quarterback season of all time. That's all that's happened.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It turns out a generational quarterback is going to play well when you give him the opportunity.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And some weapons
2: wild stuff.
1: Um, so what we've like, what I think, uh, characteristic of the Seahawks under Pete Carroll has certainly been um, you know they're, they're a better team in November and December typically than September and October and now that we're getting to that point in the season uh, I want to ask you if you think the defense uh, it doesn't sound like you're overly optimistic but I'm curious if you think the defense can um, can start playing better and can it get to a point where the Seahawks are legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Um, yeah, because f- based on what we've seen so far, it seems like the defense isn't going to be good enough to, to beat every team in in the playoffs that, that they're going to face in the NFC.
3: Yeah. Um, I do think that there is a, a chance that the defense improves. I think getting Carlos Dunlop, it, it could help, um, getting Jamal Adams back will undoubtedly help. Um, having guys like uh Daryl Taylor potentially come back like the Daryl Taylor thing he's he's a rookie second rounder Seahawks picked in the draft um he's been it's been kind of mysterious because you didn't really hear much about his injury and then Pete Carroll the other day said that they're hoping he can play this year which is like oh god that doesn't sound good um so we we don't really know exactly what's going on there but if he can come back if they can get some of their younger guys going alton robinson who was a fifth round pick has flashed at times um you know i do think there are ways that they can improve marginally i don't think they're ever going to be a good defense but i do think they could be you know relatively better than the worst (laughs) so uh i do think like if they could even if they could be just league average or you know bottom third like somewhere in the top of the bottom third if if that makes sense then then that would give them much better excuse me give them much better chance of you know really competing with you know some of the teams the best teams in in the nfc and and, in the entire league i I do think their offense you know it, it is one of the best offenses in the nfl and that will make them competitive against whoever they play but right now if if that offense isn't perfect we saw that against the cardinals Russell Wilson really uncharacteristically made three huge mistakes with his picks, and mm-hmm. you know if they're not perfect, then it's very difficult for them to win so um they need they need the defense to do a little bit more for sure
2: if Chris Carson is out, do you think we see like a heavy dose of forty ers legend Carlos Hyde, or will it be uh, <laughs> will it be more oh my God, of a... I
3: forgot that he was on the forty nineers yeah, yeah
2: Carlos Carlos Hyde revenge game on deck, Danny, yes or no. <laughs> uh Um, that would be awesome yeah is it gonna be like more of a split with like him and travis homer like a committee sort of thing or would he be the featured guy uh
3: that's a good question we don't know yet it's wednesday we're recording wednesday so right now the indications are that carlos hyde travis homer both are injured and uh, chris carson also injured so they're basically their top three running backs are injured um Carson's unlikely to play Carlos Hyde right now has a hamstring injury I believe that isn't considered serious but could hold him out or limit him this week uh Travis Homer has a knee injury um it's unclear exactly they basically the CX are playing coy like Pete Carroll was not really willing to give out much info today um so I hope the Carlos Hyde revenge game narrative happens because that'd be fun I remember watching Carlos Hyde on like Sunday or Monday night football early on in his career and I was thinking this guy's just going to be like a huge stud in the NFL. It didn't really pan out, but um do you remember that game? Like he just looked awesome.
2: The one against uh, uh, Minnesota, right?
3: I can't remember I honestly can't remember anything about the game other than it was in primetime and he looked amazing. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was either the like Niners played one. back-to-back uh late Monday night games, a doubleheader week 1 in in 2015 and 2016. And they blew the doors off the Vikings and mm-hmm. the Rams in those games. And it was yeah, like, after yeah. those games, it was like, Oh man, the chip Kelly era is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it, it didn't turn out that way. It turned it out was, not yeah, kind yeah. of a misnomer. It was not
3: good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, he, he might not play if he does play. I would assume he's going to be a little bit limited. So we might see some DJ Dallas this week, which would be interesting. Um, that's oh, a Seahawks. Cool. I think he was a fourth round pick, uh, out of Miami. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the running back group because you can't really bring in a guy last second, either because of all the COVID protocols. Um, so you know they're they're in a little bit of a tough spot right now, and and I think that it'll probably be DJ Dallas and if if Hyde can play Hyde.
2: Just real quick, that was Week One of the twenty fifteen season. The Niners beat Minnesota twenty to three. Carlos Hyde twenty six carries, a buck sixty eight, and two tugs.
3: Yeah, he. Think, oh my God, I remember that game. And I was just thinking he Man. was awesome. He one looks of them, like a freight train.
1: Yeah, he, yeah. One of them, he had a spin move. Yeah, uh, right. that was. God, I talked to him about the game after uh, about it afterwards. Why am I Ohio blanking State on guys. the uh, the Ohio State quarterback who did it like the same week? He was a slot receiver for the Texans.
2: Oh, uh, um, Br- um, uh, Braxton Miller. Yeah, Braxton yes. Miller. Yeah. He basically
1: did the same thing as Braxton Miller, and uh, and him and I talked about it afterwards, and he was all pumped to to be able to text Braxton about
3: that. <laughs> I remember that Braxton Miller spin move. That yeah. was like everyone was freaking out about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hyde. I mean, Hyde has had a good career. I mean, he went over a thousand yards last year. Finally. So it's it's kind of funny how, you know, I guess expectations versus reality it, it kind of hurt him because he was a high pick and and he started out so hot, but. Yeah, um, you know, I think he's a good backup for sure.
2: The 2020 NFL draft class. I'm going to ask you about the draft because you're good at breaking that stuff down. Uh, the 2020 receiver class was supposed to be really good, mm-hmm. and Brandon Ayuk had a hundred-yard game against the Patriots. And I went to look and see how many rookie receivers this year have had hundred-yard games, and it's a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, is he the first one? No, he's not um he's like the sixth one
3: H- yeah, has this class
2: uh exceeded met or been under your expectations
3: i think exceeded I, I i was really high on this group and i and i love a lot of these players but i don't think i even expected you know guys like justin jefferson to be like record-setting pace with what he was doing and, and cd lamb until he had a big goose egg last week was like on pace to have like one of the best receiver, uh, rookie seasons ever. And so, um, yeah, I think it definitely exceeded my expectations. These guys have come in and immediately become like, you know, go to guys in their offense, like T Higgins for the Bengals is already like, you know, well, he's, he, he passed up AJ green for a few games. AJ green's coming back a little bit and, and challenging the young guy, but, um, he looks really, really good. And then, uh, I love, I love IU. He was one of my favorite, guys lavisca chanel has been pretty good for the jaguars um you know obviously claypool looks like the next superstar in the nfl for a couple weeks there and so you know there's a lot of really good guys it's such an awesome class and um we haven't even seen like you know denzel mims just got back on the field he would dude he was he outplayed claypool like by far at the senior bowl like Claypool was a like really? ancillary story at the at the senior bowl. It was like, oh yeah, he looks decent. Denzel Mims was absolutely freaking dominant at the senior bowl. Um so like just to give that like some context, I'm not saying that Claypool is bad. I'm just saying like Mims could be awesome too. Um we haven't seen Jalen Rager yet, really. I mean a couple games he and then he's he's been hurt. He's just coming back now. And um same with uh, Henry Ruggs, who's been hurt here and there. So uh oh, and then Jerry Judy, who Man, their offense is just so terrible. The Broncos um, that we yeah. haven't really, you know, gotten to see exactly what he can do. But yeah, I love this rookie class. It's it's really really exciting. There's it looks to me like a bunch of superstars in the league down the down the line, it's, including Ayuk. Um, we'll we'll finish
1: off with this. Do you have a uh, a prediction for Sunday? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a score. Do, is there anything you think <laughs> uh, is going to happen, like in the game or uh, or anything like that?
3: Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think that – I mean, this is, like, the most obvious and easy one to do, but I think that Shanahan's going to scheme up stuff to make the Seahawks' defense look so stupid. (laughs) It's like – this is going to be pulling out my hair. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's so good at scheming up ways to get guys in space and and get yards after the catch, and the Seahawks' defense has just been so – so it's like Keystone copy like this year. It's just like they don't know what they're doing. They're always out of position. There's always a wide open guy somewhere. And that's before you even get Shanahan coming in and like, you know, um, you know, the meme where it's like, I think Stephen Rees from USA Today does it where it's like a sniper like scope. And it's it's like here's here's who Shanahan is going to just totally exploit in this game. Um, and I'll be interested to see who, this, who the guy that he, he picks on in the Seahawks game this week. But, um, yeah, I don't have – to put it lightly, I don't have high hopes for the Seahawks defense in this game. I think it's going to be a, um, kind of a shootout-type game.
2: I like it. It's Danny Kelly. You can hear him on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. It's the only fantasy football podcast I listen to. And it's great. So make sure and do <laughs> I thought, that. I
3: thought you were going to say it's the only fantasy football podcast in the world. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it. <It's, laughs> it might as well <laughs> be. It's the Fantasy
2: Football Podcast. A lot of good stuff on the Niners in this week's episode. That's why I brought it up. Uh, I appreciate it. thanks that. so much, man.
3: Thank you, guys.
4: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better.